welcome to Archery Country Podcast. Welcome everybody back to Archery Country Podcast as we're sitting in the Rogers studio, happy and willing on a, uh, don't even know what day it is, but it's a good day. We're, we're set up to do an awesome podcast and it couldn't be better timing as we're sitting here. I have Jake Schlungen with me and our guest today, we've had a lot of questions about food plots and seed and what I need to plant and education is, is very, very good. And we have probably one of the most and smartest guys that we know on the market from grandpa Ray outdoors, Mr. John O'Brien. How you doing, John? I'm doing well, and I'm glad that you guys invited me to speak a little bit today. We're glad to have you. We're uh, we've sold your product in here this year, and we've had it's been an awesome acceptance from other people. Very easy product to sell, a very easy website to follow. Everything's right there. But we're just going to give a little bit more knowledge, so it's not just a pro shop guy telling you verbiage. Uh, we're going to get it out on our podcast. We have a ton of listeners, and we're glad that you're here to tell us if you wouldn't mind just a little background not only on your your farming and your agricultural background your hunting background if you just take us on a little windy story here about you yeah um i was born on a uh, on a farm in south central wisconsin we had beef uh, uh we had dairy um and crop farming and that's kind of where I got my agronomic background. I uh, um, had a lot of influence, uh, you know, from the farm and my mom's dad, who was named Grandpa, which is Grandpa Ray, which is what I named my business after. And, you know, uh, growing up, I was actively involved in, you know, soils and, and feeding cattle, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, Grandpa Ray's was just basically accumulate accumulation of, of my life's work, you know, uh, getting a degree in college and, uh, getting into nutrition work, uh, working with farmers. And then eventually it evolved into deer, you know, working with, you know, both deer farmers, as well as people that, um, wanted to plant food plots for, uh, you know, free range wild deer. And, um, and so basically Grandpa Ray's is kind of a tribute to my grandpa who influenced my life and also was basically, um, you know, a philosophy that I've had and an interest I've had and real life experiences, uh, you know, working day to day with soil, uh, animals and seed. I love it. And that's where a ton of your, your seed blends, we say that because you do offer quite a few different blends, but over how many years would you say, <clears throat> you said as a kid growing up, but how many years have you been putting together blends and, and seeing what works the best in different scenarios? Yeah, I uh, got out of college in uh, 1990 and in 1991, I, the same time I got involved with doing a lot of nutrition work with farmers, uh, I also started working with people, farmers that were uh, uh, rotational grazing, uh, planting different pasture blends for their cattle. And I believe it was that same year, I mean, I had a couple different customers ask me, it's like, hey, can you give me this seed? Can you give me that seed? And, and I investigated different suppliers and, and um, decided to start also as a sidelight that year selling seeds. 
And that same year, I believe it was, where I was attending a, uh, they call it a pasture walk on a farm, and I saw where a farmer was uh, that planted turnips and was grazing his cows on turnips. And the light bulb, you know, turned on for me at that time. Uh, decided to plant some on about a acre and a half of land, and away she went. Uh, my food plot uh, um, interest uh, began back in the early '90s. And when we talk about your certain plots that you've developed over, you know, multiple year setups, it's not just basis on eye appeal for the consumer to plant a very lush green let's say clover plot or frosty delight there's actually a nutritional background there's actually studies of what you found because not only are we feeding the deer but we want healthy mature growing animals correct right and so the wildlife industry historically has been made up of companies that have put together mixes that were in a fancy looking bag that to be honest, a lot of our common, most common food plot, uh, forages that people plant or that are sold out there are not always the highest yielding that they're not always the most nutritious. Um, a lot of times profit margin price point is the, at the foremost. I mean, that's what companies they're selling a lot of these seeds. I mean, they're in it to make money in which you can't blame them. But Grandpa Ray Outdoors has a totally different approach because, you know, my whole career has been about growing uh, healthy, productive animals. And so there's there's thought behind every blend. Uh, There's strategy behind every blend. And with each blend, uh, nutrition is part of it. And that's why we're always testing new forages, uh, sampling in my various research plots, the different forages, um, so that you know, we know what we're actually selling and I don't cut corners with anything. I'm selling, uh, the most, uh, high yielding, most attractive, most uh, nutritious forages that I can get my hands on. Yeah. And I think too, you know, it's like, this is one of my passions is, is the land management part and putting food plots in. And, uh, you know, I spend as much time putting food plots in and working on the ground as I do hunting probably in a year. Um, and I kind of came across your stuff for, to bring into our stores because of the blends and the quality of the blends. Um, I felt like not only was the quality there, but being in the Midwest and a little colder climate, um, you know, I think you had a really great lineup for, for what we're looking for, too. You know, our growing days are a little less. Our frost dates are earlier. Uh, you know, we don't have the same scenarios to work with as some of the southern states or, you know, even you get to Illinois and south, you know. Yeah, and the one thing that I'm even looking at doing this year, um, I'm pretty blessed because um, I, I, I would like to think that I'm pretty respected in the industry for my research. Um, I do research for um, a couple different companies that are larger companies, and because of that, even this year, we're looking at uh, as long as the, the seat shows up from the uh, from the boat, um, having two unique brassicas that nobody else has in the U.S. Um, Grand Prix has released that has part of their lineup a, a forged brassica that uh, very few people have. But I'm always looking to get newer, improved genetics. Um, you know, that not just helps people in Minnesota and Wisconsin, but also a lot of these forges can be planted anywhere in the U.S. But I'm eager to test out two new ones that could be really unique to the industry um, 
and especially for guys, you know, a little bit farther north, uh, you know, like where you're at, uh, you know, we might be a year or two away from, from selling it or adding it to part of the lineup. But again, I'm always testing it myself on various uh, soils, various properties. And if I can get it to work, well, then we'll, we'll offer it to the general public. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Um, you know, I think we should kind of start this off with, you know, where we're at this time of year. Uh, you know, it, we might have guys that have planted spring plots, you know, in their soybeans or corn plots, you know, and now we're looking at some of their fall plots or, you know, some guys might be totally scratching their spring plots because of how dry it's been, <clears throat> you know, if they're not germinated well enough or, or too been too drought stressed. Uh, we're... Where are we at? What do you recommend for timing as far as these blends, um, you know, site prep, soil prep, you know, fertilization and lime, you know, just kind of give a rundown of, of where we're at at this time of year. Yeah. Um, and so where you guys are located, you know, in Minnesota there, and when we look at the calendar, I mean, the calendar, you know, always, you know, is a, a start. But again, Mother Nature can affect, you know, when you can plant. Uh, and it seems like our weather the last few years, I mean, we could go from being too cold to too hot to too wet to too dry all in one growing season. Um, generally, we would say when you get to about July 1st, we usually shut down for about a month with whatever you're going to plant. Um, your soybeans, your corn, your sorghums, my, things like my deer and bird or fortress screening, Generally, I say, well, once you get around July 1st, you should probably be done. Uh, you know, it should be in the ground. And then, you know, even, you know, it says even on a lot of the bags, I sell the small bags. I have different plant, generic plant recommendations, fertilizer recommendations, things like that. I generally say, well, the next window for planting your fall plots is August 1st. Well, I've had to kind of uh, use that as a disclaimer because, um, you know, different people that I work with in your area, I say, well, let's just say it's not um, extremely hot. If we got enough soil moisture, if we have weather trends where it looks like there's enough timely rains coming in the forecast for the next couple of weeks, I'm starting to tell people, hey, if it gets to July 20th, it gets to July 25th, everything's, uh, you know, looking good, we might want to get some of these blends in the ground. Um so with that being said, you know, we look at, you know, maybe we got three to four weeks before a lot of people are going to want to start planting your, your fall plots. So if the ground hasn't been worked yet, if weeds haven't been controlled yet, you know, now is the time, um, you know, get those weeds sprayed. If they're above threshold level where you need to spray weeds, wait seven to 10 days to work the ground. Um, the one little thing I will say is people tend to overwork the ground. And when we overwork the ground, you know, there's some negatives. We can dry out that soil if it is periods of dry weather. But um, if we do work the ground, we're just trying to incorporate some of that residue. We're just trying to only work the soil, you know, one to two inches deep. And then when we get into planting, um, you know, then we're, then we're ready to go. So um, if there's already, you know, uh, something planted out there right now, like my soil builder, again, that's um, – you know, usually you'll just try to spray it off seven to 10 days before planting if there's weeds or just clip it off and, um, you know, and get ready to go for fall planting. So um, if there's soil samples that haven't been taken, now's the time to do it. 
if there's uh, if you know you need lime, um, you can lime any time of year. But now's the time to get that pellet lime down. Um, egg lime takes up to six months to work. Pellet lime will kick in within about two months. So, you know, don't wait till planting day to day to lime. Let's get that lime down now. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing. Um, and I really got to sit down for myself and look at the calendar and get into range of okay this is when i'm going to plant this and and work it back because that stuff sneaks up on you quick and you don't have your weed control taken care of and you don't have your site prep done and then you plant this plot and it gets taken over by weeds anyways or or you're not you don't have your soil sample um, and you're just not setting yourself up for for the success you could have um you know one of the other things is is you know you have a quite the uh know variety of of fall blends um you know we got from you know greens and grains or frosty delight to fall draw to bulbs galore you know what i mean we can kind of take those one at a time here and kind of you know explain to some of our listeners what what is incorporated in those and why you would look at at certain blends um and incorporate them into your food plot plan uh you know we could start out with greens and grains that's one of my favorite mixes that you have uh, maybe I'll just let you take it away and kind of explain what's in that and and why, and then maybe, you know, kind of your preferred planting dates too with some of these different mixes, and if that changes from, you know, some of these greens and grains, which, or to your more, you know, brassicas, like your Frosty Delight, which are more brassicas-based. Uh, but I'll let you take it over. Yeah. So greens and greens is an excellent uh, food plot blend for the first-time food plotter. Um, there's a property I was on in uh, northern Minnesota uh, about two months ago, and uh, a lot of these plots are brand new. And so this year we're planting grains and greens on a lot of those new plots. Um, so first-time food plotters, but, or even if there's somebody that's got you know, sandier ground or lower pH ground, greens and greens is relatively foolproof. Um, it's got a blend. I mean, everybody seems to love winter, winter rye. Um, and of course, yeah, there's an inclusion of winter rye, but I also have winter triticale, which matures a little slower in the spring. Um, I believe it's a little more palatable than deer, according to what deer tell me. There's also winter wheat in there. Uh, there's buckwheat in there. There's peas, which are highly desirable to deer in the fall. And then it's got four different brassicas. My Winford brassica, which is super cold tolerant. Uh, kale, which is cold tolerant. Uh, radish, and then, of course, uh, turnips there. So, that blend, the advantage of it is, is it'll grow pretty much anywhere. It will also regrow next spring, the winter wheat, winter triticale, um, winter rye. So again, that'll um, help uh, create some residue, uh, naturally smother weeds, uh, you know, give the deer, um, you know, some uh, rapidly growing forage in the spring. Um, so that's just a really diverse mix. Um that mix, though, um, we might want to wait about seven days later to plant than some of my other blends, which we'll get into. Um, just because the winter wheat, winter rye, winter triticale, typically people don't plant that, or farmers don't uh, put that in the ground until, you know, middle of August in your area, some cases as late as September 1st. But um, that's a mix that will mature in about 60 days, although most of my mixes the fall will mature in 60 days. Um, so if you just count back from your first average frost date, um, down in my area, it's October 10th. 
in a lot of your customers' areas, I'm guessing about the last few days in September, maybe. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think we're into that, into the 20s, you know, right in the early 20s, I think is probably our average. Yeah. So, in, you know, so again, you know, you still be probably all right in most areas to plan around August 1st, even with the grains and greens. So, um, you know, greens and greens, like I said, will handle all soil types that can handle, uh, you know, moderate shade. Um, it's, it's a great mix for a first time food platter, a great mix for those that have maybe a little lower soil pHs and you're going to need another few months to a year or two to get your, your soil right where you need it to be. Um, so again, um, for people that are planting, I generally recommend planting at least two of my blends. Um, why is that? Because you can practice plot rotation, which is why I sell four blends and not just one. And it also is a reason, um, for doing plot rotation because you could plant brassicas in the same field for many years in a row if you're not just using heavy or pure brassica blends. And this greens of greens is, is about the final stamp percentage to be about half grain and half brassicas. So, um, you know, almost everybody that's new to the food plot game is planning that. Even if you've been planting food plots for a lot of years, and yet you're really looking at improving your soil health, you know, consider part of your, your plots as grains and greens. So, um, and and then, then if you want me, you want me to move into each of the, the, the yeah, mixes it's, and just uh, kind of go over each of them? I think the other thing that would be good is uh, with each one of these, you know, we, every year we got guys coming in here, they're grabbing that bag of seed and they're going out to plant. You know, they didn't either have the time, summer was busy, they don't have soil samples. What would be your, like your generic, if the guy, customer doesn't have a soil sample, which would be the best, what's their generic recommendation for fertilizer for like grains and greens? Yeah, right. So anybody that buys any of the small bags in my fall blends, there's a generic fertilizer recommendation on the bag. Um, but, you know, as a rule of thumb, I mean, uh, the average food plotter planting any of these four Nebraska blends, uh, two to 400 pounds per acre of like a triple 18. Um, some people that aren't as up on the, the numbers on fertilizers, they, they might say, well, I, I can't get a triple 18 locally, but they got a triple 15 or a triple 17. You know, any of those triple fertilizers would work. We'd like to buy the higher number if possible. So, you know, if, they, if somebody, you know, wasn't sure what to do, they haven't got a soil sample back or for whatever reason they decide not to, you know, if you just put down 300 pounds of like a triple 17, triple 18, or triple 19 fertilizer, you're going to be pretty much in the game as a generic fertilizer recommendation. But there is one other strategy that could even be a little better. So let's just say somebody uh, has access to a 923 fertilizer. You know, a little lower nitrogen, but it's got the phosphorus potassium up there. You could put up, you know, 150 to 200 pounds of like your, your 92330, which some people could be using on your clovers and some of the other blends, and then just come back with like one bag an acre or 50 pounds an acre about three to five weeks after planting with some straight urea. And again, that's one strategy so that you're, you're, you're not being the weeds as much initially those plants don't need as much nitrogen that first, you know, three weeks of their, their growth cycle. 
But besides that, Mother Nature comes in. If you put all your fertilizer down right at planting, we get a couple really big heavy rains. Maybe some of that fertilizers ran down the Mississippi and, you know, kind of joking a little bit there, mm-hmm. but, you know, yeah. ran down to your neighbors, ran off the field, not where you wanted it to be. So you're kind of split applicating it. And I'm trying to get more and more people to consider split applicating your fertilizers. So there's always that option. Yeah, I think that's a... People they just want to do a little better. Yeah, and I like that too because especially with the weather patterns we seem to have, you know, we get these long, well, it seems like last couple of years we get these long three, four weeks with not much moisture, and then you get this little window of moisture. So at least if you can split, you know, applicate your fertilizer, you probably got a little better chance of success with that food plot too. You're right, yep, yep. And most people aren't used to doing that. But again, I just kind of consider to say, hey, put a starter down. And then just come back with the nitrogen when the plants demand it the most. Yeah, I like that. All right, how about Frosty Delight? I know that's another one that's you know popular for what we get guys looking for. Yeah, Frosty Delight. It's my most cold tolerant, high high fielding brassica blend, and um, because it's got the kale and the Winford brassica, they mature more like in about eighty days versus a lot of these you know industry sold rape type products. Um, that mature in 45 to 60 days. So they mature a little slower, which which can be good, especially for those people that want to put the seed in the ground a little earlier. Um, the other advantage of the Winford Nebraska is if deer eat it, let's just say deer eat it on September 15th, it ends up doubling its branches. It's actually multi-grade. So if the deer eat, you know, some of the brassicas that are in these blends, you know, it's, it's not done. I mean, it will throw more branches and it will continue to regrow as long as the weather is right for it. So Frosty Delight has radishes. It's got rutabaga. And for those that aren't as familiar with rutabaga, they look a lot like turnips, but have the potential to get this about another 30 to 50% bigger bulbs. The bulbs are sweeter. And for anybody out there that has ever ate a rutabaga or compared to a turnip, you, you have a pretty good idea what I'm talking about. Turnips tend to be a little bit more bitter, especially when they get mature. Uh, and the rutabagas are more desirable. Plus, the other thing with rutabagas is they have a smoother leaf, a bigger leaf that tends to naturally resist insects and disease better than turnips. And so um, if with the, when the weather is not perfect, rutabagas tend to handle Mother Nature better than the common turnip that most people are used to, using, uh, used to planting. So um, Frosty Delight is a great nutritious mix, high-yielding mix, but also it's really a more of a forgiving mix than a lot of Nebraska blends sold by the industry. And, John, not to uh, deter off of what you're talking about, but every one of your packages has a, a seed rate and then also what the poundage is on the bag. I know that I fell into the category back before I got fired as a food plot dude for my brothers. Uh, I was the guy that would buy 10 times as amount of seed that I needed because I thought more is better. But there's actually a ratio that you want to stick. You know, like you're talking about Frosty Delight, uh, the seed rates is 7 to 10 pounds per acre. Uh, and then you can get it in a four and a quarter pound bag or 25 pound bag. So you kind of have to you kind of got a little, uh, do a little bit of math, you know, on your acreage and that, and you don't want to overseed. Am I right? Or is that a problem? Right. So on brassicas, that's where it's more important to try to seed as close to the, the, the level that's recommended. 
clovers, there's some advantages with seeding a little heavy. Um, but again, with brassica, especially if you're using a product like my bulb galore, which has got basically rutabaga, turnips, radish, and you seed too heavy, you won't have those bulbs develop as big and as effective as what you're trying to accomplish. You know, same deal with these brassicas. Yeah, they might have a little thinner stem, but you won't get quite the height and the bulb development which there is radishes in all my blends. There is either rutabaga or turnip in each of my blends. So again, if the recommended rate is 7 to 10 pounds an acre and a guy was feeding down 15 pounds an acre, um, you know, you're just not going to have as effective bulb growth. You, you know, see, um, you could see some stunted growth. You could see some stress conditions, um, you know, because, you know, having all those extra uh, plants per acre they demand a lot of nutrients and so um definitely stay within the the ranges of what i recommend per bag because here's something else to think about a lot of companies sell coated seed so if they were selling a bag like my my bag of frosty delight you know it's four and a quarter pounds it'll plant about a half acre but some companies might be selling a you know a five pound bag that they say plants a half acre but they might have a third of that seed being coated. So Grandpa Ray's in the fall blends does not sell coated seed. We also sell seed that's high germ count. I don't buy cheap seed. I buy high quality seed that goes in my blends. So again, most of these uh, tags that I have on there, you'll see that most forages are over 90% germ count. But to be honest, a lot of these are in that 95 to 98% germ the reason why I put 90% on the label is just to make sure that we never, ever fail a test. If a bag of seed has been sitting around for, you know, nine months, I mean, it gets re in so many plants. But I mean, we, we assure you that you're, you're buying what we, what we are, you know, selling you. You're getting what you're, what you're paid for and you're getting pure live seed. So, you know, uh, you know, that, that, that could be either a sales tool or it could also be for the end user. It's like, okay, I don't need to put as much seed down per acre because I'm getting high quality seed that's not coated. Yeah, and that's uh, that's not the place you want to cheap out. That's on the seed, seed fertilizer, or the other thing I see people doing is just mixing their spray too, too thin, too, trying to make that go a little too far. Um, now with right. the frosty delight, what happens if you? I mean, what on the maturity range of that? You know, you said 80 days to mature. If you can hit that. Uh, yeah, on the wind, on the wind, burn the kale. Yeah, but yep. if you can hit that that mix perfect on your plant date, um, how many days do you want to be out? And what happens if we, somebody plants early and over matures with that? Right. There's uh, some people I work with. Uh, I have one, one uh, producer that um, every year plants in June in Minnesota. And he has tremendous growth, good soil, et cetera, et cetera. If a guy was going to be planting now, which there's some people that have, I always say to them, you know, with my blends being more multi-grazed, you would have to go out there and take the tops off of like a weed whacker or, or bush hog or whatever. Um, you know, because otherwise, once they mature, they'll start drying down, turning brown, they're less desirable. And the key is that I, the biggest reason most people are planting food plots are because they want to see deer and they want to see deer, you know, I'm assuming closer to your, your stand. So, you know, everybody see, a lot of people seem to get excited. They want to get their seed in the ground and that's understandable. Um, 
but again, you like to, you like to plan as close to sixty days before an average first frost date as possible. The one thing is again because Grandpa Race doesn't just sell your traditional race that mature in forty five to sixty days, but because we tend to have kales in the Winford brassicas in our mixes, our mixes are a little more forgiving. Sure, we could put them in the ground a little sooner, but um, but for example, the, the radishes that are in East Blend mature in about forty five to fifty days. But um, for the frosted light in the fall draw that I mentioned, rutabagas mature more like in 80 days versus the common purple top turnips mature in about 60 days. So really what I'm saying is, you know, sure, you know, for some of those guys that want to plant earlier, do plant early, Grandpa Ray's mixes give you more of a cushion, um, you know, because the number of the forages mature slower, which, you know, will make your mixes more desirable later into the year, even for those that are kind of pushing the window a little bit on planting dates, if that makes sense. Yeah, so we're looking that first week of August is probably a good a good point to to start with for or to aim for if you're in our area probably. Right. Yeah, another thing people like even though we've been talking about first frost date and that is because our a lot of these forges that we're selling are more cold tolerant. That's a lot of the common brassica blend sold in the industry. So even if you did have a frost, as I mentioned, the kales, the wind threads, and that to stay green down to about 10 degrees, um, we're still going to be seeing some growth. We, that doesn't mean our forages or our blends are going to be shutting down just because there's a frost. Um, in a lot of cases, we, you know, we, we can handle that initial cold uh, period of time um, because we are selling uh, more cold-tolerant forages. Good to know. So then we go to like the bulbs galore. So what would what's the main difference for someone looking between the frosty delight and bulbs galore? Yeah, bulbs galore. I put together, um, you know, for people that I mean, we'll handle a variety of soils. They'll handle sandy ground, heavy uh, heavier ground. Um, doesn't necessarily like water because brassicas don't love, you know love it when it's wet and especially the bulbs bulbs will grow effectively when there's a lot of moisture a lot a high amount of moisture in the soil but bulbs galore is designed not even though the deer would be eating it in august september october um it's designed for more of that late season you know gun season late season bow or muzzle loading or, you know, after season, you know, when the weather can get to be pretty nasty, snow's flying, at times getting a little thick and deep, that um, it's designed where the deer can paw down, you know, get at those bulbs, get that uh, winter energy source in them that they need to sustain themselves uh, in good condition throughout the winter. And it also can, I kind of say to people, it also doubles as your shed plot. Because what you'll tend to find is, is in that February, March, well, and if the weather's nasty, I guess in the area it could be late January, the, the bucks could be dropping their antlers. But if those are the areas that the deer, the bucks especially, are congregating in the winter, uh, a lot of times the, their antlers are getting knocked off as they're digging down to get at the bulbs. That helps you find a lot of these sheds. And so for those, uh, I kind of call it like little shed plots as well. So. And then, uh, then we have the fall draw. I know that's uh, another one, and that's not as cold tolerant, if I'm I'm correct. 
on that. Right, but it, but there still is, you know, a couple of those forks, perhaps because it stay green, you know, really late, you know, down to about 10 degrees. But that's a good all-purpose mix. Um, that's probably where more of the nice bucks are shot in early bow season because we got some annual clovers there. Um, we also have a, a, a forge that's really unique to the industry called Ethiopian Cabbage. Um, really drought tolerant, especially for those guys on light soil, uh, sand soil, sandy ground. Um, grows super fast. Could get to be about, you know, 40 inches tall in about five, six weeks. And that Ethiopian cabbage is really desirable to deer in that seven to 10 day, you know, window in that early September, or early September, excuse me, early October. And, um, the fall draw is designed to be diverse. It's designed to be very attractive early season, but yet we still got some rib egg in there for late season. In the winter, we still got the Winford Brassica in there for cold tower and late bow season and gun season attraction. So, Joan, it's probably my most appealing all season uh, Brassica blend. And uh, as far as seeding date and fertilizer requirements, are you similar to your, your other fall blends? Right. I would stick with the same fertilizer recommendations as the other fall blends. Um, but again, my disclaimer is that people have taken a soil sample and they're, it, it tends to be pretty common that guys might already be excessive on, on phosphorus, especially in areas where there's maybe been some past farming or current farming going on, um, where you might, um, you know, just need a bunch of, you know, straight potassium with some urea, urea, you know, on, on those blends. So, um, fall draw is going to yield very similar. All those four blends are going to yield pretty similar, uh, depending on, um, planting date, weather, soil quality management practices. So again, um, for those that don't have a soil sample, I could stick with the, you know, two to 400 pounds of a straight triple fertilizer, or unless the guy was going to be using a starter and separate urea, as I mentioned before. Yeah. Now the other, uh, the other thing I think to think about in the fall is uh, planting some of your clovers or, or like your gold. Um, do you recommend like planting that with a nurse crop in the fall, like doing like a like an oat with it or like a forge oat or something? Or what? What's your thoughts on that for guys thinking about getting, you know, uh, an annual crop going? Yeah. So um, I. I... <clears throat> put that in my last newsletter there's been a lot of uh, discussion with people because of the weather this year that maybe their spring plots didn't turn out as well because it was too dry or, or whatnot and so like if people wanted to see down like my mass builder gold inner sanctum uh overseed mix um you you know there's some advantages to fall seeding uh because you tend to see less, less weeds my recommendation is you could use a half rate of my soil builder at planting you could be using a rate of any of my fall mixes, uh, although ideally we'd prefer to use the frosty delight or the fall draw. So instead of like, you know, that seven to 10 pounds of frosty delight per acre, maybe use one bag, you know, one of the four and a quarter pound bags per acre, along with the full rate of a product like gold or mass builder. And, um, and the Nebraska blend will in, in essence, you know, um, act as a nurse crop. Could you use uh, 50 to 100 pounds per acre of oats? Sure. 
if you wanted a little bit of some regrowth next spring, could you use 50 pounds of, you know, winter wheat, winter rye, or winter triticale per acre as a fall planted nurse crop? Sure. Um, and again, you're not going to see a lot of growth on any of these clovers in the fall, depending on the weather. You might see, you know, six to 12 inches of growth. But what happens is come springtime, you know, instead of not seeing a lot of clovers out there until, you know, really May, mid-May, I mean, you'll see an explosive early growth, and that gives you a lot of desirable forages to the does and the, and the bucks, uh, you know, after the snow um, disappears in the winter. Yeah, and I, I really like that strategy because then I feel like you're not struggling so hard in the spring to to get that those blends in and you're kind of you know multi-using your your fall plots in the fall coming through the winter you have you know you have those clovers or the alfalfa right away you got good food um and and a little bit different strategy to try to diversify yourself a little bit you know i think that uh oh go ahead john well i was gonna say yeah the one thing with that is because even for those that frost seeds We've had, you know, hit and miss weather the last few years. And so at least if you get roots underneath these plants, you get them planted in the fall. I mean, it seems like so many people are, are, you know, struggle with weeds come spring if you work the ground. And even if you're frost seeding, you know, it it can be a little bit challenging at times. So, again, if you fall seed, you have a pretty good idea how your catch was. And then you got an easy decision. You can either spin a little more seed via frost seeding or let's just say if it gets to be middle of April or early May and you're out there scouting and your fall pops caught great. Guess what? Your work's done. Or if it's a little thin in spots, you still got a lot of time to spin some seeds, thicken it up. So generally it can really cut down on the amount of, of work you have to do. Um, I, I really, really want more people to consider fall seeding, you know, your perennial plots and more farmers in, in, Progressive farmers in the upper Midwest have went to fall seeding their alfalfa fields, and that why not consider doing it by the average food plotter? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that uh, you know, I think that brings up the point of you know a person looking at how much ground they have for food plots and how much they want to put in, and then the the importance of diversity um, and to be able to rotate through, like you've you've been saying, and you know you've you've got all these different blends. Is there a percentage that you usually go with between these blends or between like a greens and grains and frosted delight or fall or fall draw, um, you know, and then with your, some of your clovers um, or your gold with your alfalfa blend? Right. And so that's one of the deals where I work with, you know, hundreds of people every day, year directly with, you know, looking at the aerial maps and coming up with strategies. But no matter who you are, I mean, there's different factors that come into play. What's your deer numbers? What kind of soil do you have? I mean, do you have sand versus really productive farmland? You know, like, you know, in in your, in Minnesota, you get in those upper reaches. It could be really wet in spots. You can get into some really fertile ground as you get closer to the Mississippi river. And then again, you get pockets of some sand. So again, they won't yield as well on those sand, sandy farms, sandy plots. So again, you might have to plant more acreage, you know, of food plots. Um, and again, another consideration is, is, is it a quarter acre field? Is it an acre field? Is it a five acre field? These bigger fields, I especially like people to plant at least three different mixes out on, the, on their plots. 
generally recommend planting more of the perennials along the edges. It creates grapevines for you know for the deer. Also benefits for those out there that like the turkey hunt. And then at least plant two different fall blends. I mean, any large fields, guys should consider planting two to three different fall blends because then you just rotate each of the blends from year to year. Um, on your property, I mean, I, I work with people that might be planting 10 to 12 different Grand Beret food plot mixes. And, uh, you know, each mix has a, has a purpose. And, um, and so, John, you can make it as simple or as complicated when it comes to strategy as you want it. But yet there is strategy, and that's why I'm here, instead of just a company uh, that's products are on a shelf, you know, up at those stores up in, in Minnesota, uh, there's the ability for, you know, the end user to get on the phone and call me and say, hey, John, um, can I send you aerial maps or can I tell you more information or can I send you my soil samples and can you help me, you know, with what mixes are the best to plant on my property? Yeah, and that's one thing that, you know, I think we can do a pretty good job with our customers with too, you know, with the using the aerial map, you know, you know, we all of us pretty much got onyx and that's how I do all my food plot planning, you know, and, uh, we can with, with grandpa Ray's mixes here, uh, we can, we can definitely help them out, figure some of that stuff out as well. As we, uh, yeah, and, and, and that's what grandpa Ray's is about. I mean, it's about, you know, no matter if it's myself helping or my dealers helping, it's like, that's the key. There's, there's resources, there's people here that are willing to help, you know, the average food plotter. It's not a company that is trying to slap seed on the shelf and say, Hey, buy our seed. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, that's one of the things that, that yourself and, and our stores are going to do different than if you just go to a box store and pick a, a bag of seed off the shelf. Um, you know, we want to make sure that it's, the best stuff going in the ground, you're giving yourself the best chance. I mean, heck, you're putting the work and the time into it and the little bit of monetary difference between uh, a cheap seed and a quality seed. I just don't, uh, I think you're shortchanging yourself if you if you put something in the ground and go through all that work and time and don't have the best chance to have success. Well, and my little thing that I will bring up to people is that everybody you know, says, hey, I want to see deer. But my question is, is like, Okay, if an average food pot blend will produce a couple tons of forage dry matter per acre, or, or as I say it, like 4,000 deer feeding. But if you buy a, a high-yielding, high-quality mix, as Grand Prix sells, that might yield 2,000 to 4,000 more pounds of forage, 2 to 4,000 pounds more, or 2 to 4,000 more deer feedings. What does that mean to you as a hunter to have twice the yield wouldn't in theory you have the potential to feed twice as many deer or feed the same amount of deer you have on your property for twice as long and i sometimes when i put that present that to people that just gets them to stop and think because yield matters i got you i got got a couple scenarios that i want to throw at you john if you don't mind quick before we wrap up today's uh, which had been a, a wealth of knowledge uh, opened up my eyes on quite a few things, but uh, the first scenario you've already covered it. But we have a we had some questions come in from customers, uh, knowing that we were going to do this podcast. He's uh, in northern Minnesota, 
It's 90% pine trees is where they're at. Uh, they have some sandy soil, but they did find on their land they could get back with their four-wheelers. And he said it's it's about 60 foot wide, <clears throat> and then they can it, 200 yards long. So basically exaggerated football field. They killed off the weeds. They say it is pretty sandy soil. They did get a pH <clears throat> test back, and they, they did put down some lime. Um, I'm not sure exactly how or what they did, but their their question is, they're sitting on the bubble, what seeds do we need to order? What do we need to get from the shop? They're going to they're gonna go up after July 4th holiday and plant. What would your prescription be for that? Yeah. So if they want to plant just after July 4th, I mean, with what you're telling me, greens and greens, you know, it's a mix you'd really think you know, it would do really well in their area, but then again, it might be just a little early to plant. If they still want to plant it, what I would say is, well, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Maybe only plant, you know, like an acre's worth. Yeah, it's going to be a little early potentially to put that in the ground, but don't just rely on that mix. We want to rely on, you know, uh, like your fall draw and frosty delight that gives you a little bit more window, um, you know, for maturity. So in a case like that, 60 feet wide, you know, that that long. And again, you know, keep it in mind, not just this year, but next, you know, maybe, you know, maybe they just use one acre's worth of greens and greens and either put it as a strip or as a block, you know, on part of it. Um, consider, and I would also plant each of the fall draw and the greens and greens. So I would plant each of those three mixes and let's just see if that area ends up being three acres. Uh, plant two twenty-five pounds of grains and greens. Uh, do an acre plant, um, you know, two of the frost bags, the small bags of frosted delight to do an acre, and then plant, uh, um, you know, three of the four and a quarter pound bags of fall draw to plant uh, the last acre. So, you know, each of those mixes will do fine, and you know that way it kind of gives you a little uh, more diversity, and again, it also sets you up for success you know, the following year where you can rotate each of those mixes. So, you know, don't just rely on greens and greens if you're going to be planting that early because with the, the winter wheat, winter rye, we're in a triticale, they generally would want to be in the ground a little bit later, you know, into July, early August, up in your areas. I love it. <clears throat> this one's going to be real easy. I, I know the answer, but I want to hear it from a professional. So we are in Goodhue County, Minnesota. That just gives our listeners an idea of the fertile ground. We're talking 200-plus bushel corn um, and really good soybean. They have It's a 300-acre farm. They deer hunt it, <clears throat> bow hunt and rifle hunt, or shotgun hunt, but they uh, it's all row, 200 acres of it is row crop. They're wondering what they can do. Do they concentrate on other food, or do they go into one of your fortress mix or your sanctuary mix for the other areas. Yeah. And for me, I mean, in all the basics, you know, deer need food, bedding and water. And, and for those of that hear me talk, it's like my deer and bird uh, mix could be great annual bedding cover. It also could be great winter feed, which I don't believe hardly anybody has too much winter feed. Um, and so anybody I work with, they strongly encourage people to put about an acre of deer and bird in on their property that they can. The other advantage is also great for the soil health. It also is a great natural weed deterrent. So deer and bird could be a great way to hold deer or, 
or also when it gets to be even, you know, during gun season where let's just say the weather gets kind of nasty, you know, those deer will bunker down, get underneath uh, in, in that cover for deer and birds, and it can really help you hold deer even during hunting season. And again, the sanctuary mix is, is my permanent native grass blend, which again, you know, uh, there's not nearly enough people that, that consider, you know, thermal cover getting, everybody you know, thinks about, well, you need to eat, and they need water, and, and, and you know, and, and they can bed just about anywhere. But these native grasses way overlooked. They really can help protect deer when things can get, get pretty nasty. And so then again, what the rest of the equation comes down on that property is, you know, how many acres of plots, where are they located? There's an endless amount of possibilities to have great quality food in that area. So, again, try to match the food closest to where the bedding choices are and also considering the season where you want those deer to eat when you want them to eat there. That's perfect. And, John, we have uh, not only can we hop on your website, you can stop in any three of our locations and we can try to help you, but you're also encouraging they can get a hold of you uh, via your contact on your website and ask specific questions and you can steer them in the right direction on uh, getting the seed that they need and also planning for years on out, not just this fall, but everything else, correct? Correct, yeah. So um, for people that are always looking for information, I mean, they can always, you know, reach out to me via email. Uh, they can always give me a call, but I usually disclaimer, you know, between the hours of 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. Um, there's a lot of means that people can learn more about Grand Parades. I'm putting more and more videos on the Grand Parade Outdoors YouTube channel. On the website, there's videos on there. There's also, uh, I try to blog quite a bit. Um, so, you know, they can people can reach out to me one-on-one, or there's a lot of education out there that's for free that you can find through my various social media outlets. And again, I try to Twitter on occasion. I'm trying to do a little more Instagram posts when I'm out in the field this time of year. So hopefully I'm giving people a lot of good content and at least some stuff to think about. We love it, man. We sure appreciate you being on. That was uh, that was an awesome podcast as far as knowledge. Uh, Jake, I thank you for being here as well. Again, if you have any questions, you can contact us here at Archery Country or as we talked about, Grandpa Ray Outdoors. Uh, wealth of information out there yet that we didn't cover and also we're going to carry a lot of products yet we got full shelves that we can get to and we can still order for you guys that are yeah and we got a bunch of stuff coming in right now too nice so super nice so we appreciate it john thank you very much thanks guys for having me and uh i hope everybody out there has a productive and successful uh 2021 uh, food plotting and fall hunting uh season We'll send you pictures. On behalf of everybody at Archery Country Podcast, this is Wait signing out. Thank you for listening to Archery Country Podcast. 